Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. And Father, we just ask now for the help of your Holy Spirit in a supernatural way to just quicken us in our mind, our heart, our soul, our spirit, that our inward person would truly be receptive and able to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would want to say to this part of your church that's assembled this morning as we open the word of God. Give us that ear to hear what your spirit would say to this part of your church. We ask you to bless your word, Lord. We don't want this just to be an academic exercise. We truly want to hear what you would say to us. So prepare us accordingly and minister to us by your spirit. We ask in faith in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen, amen. You may be seated. You know, I would hope that you, like myself on occasion, find yourself perhaps just wanting or maybe wishing that you could know Jesus in just a little deeper way maybe than what you already do. And I want to tell you this morning, based on the authority of the words of Jesus themselves here, that the good news is, is that is something we can be certain that the Holy Spirit actually wants to help us with. In fact, if you can tell from just the reading of our text this morning, this passage teaches us about revelation from the Spirit, and particularly revelation from the Spirit in regards to knowing in a deeper way and seeing the person of Jesus. Again, our background of these chapters we've been looking at together, Jesus has been continually assuring his disciples from chapter 13 to this point how after his departure back into heaven from when he came originally from the throne of God, again, he's in this last night with his disciples talking to them in private conversation and he has continuously assured them that after he dies and raises from the dead, ascends back to the right hand of the Father, that he was going to send them the Holy Spirit in his place and the Spirit of God would then continue what the presence and the ministry of the Son of God had began on earth and had been doing with them for the past three plus years. In fact, last time, if you were with us in verses 7 through 11, we saw Jesus there speak about the Spirit's ministry of conviction and how the Spirit's ministry of conviction would enable him to reach the unsaved world. That would be his predominant ministry among the unsaved world. Look just back in verse 7 through 11 for sake of our acquaintance with it again. Jesus said there, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he has come... He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment 
of sin because they do not believe in me, that is, as the need of the Savior for their sin, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So Jesus spoke, we talked about last time, how the Spirit of God would accomplish the work of God inside the heart of each and every person. That we can't do what only the Spirit of God can do, which is to convince the inward person, the conscience of a human being of the reality of their spiritual condition that they indeed are sinful and sinful enough to go to hell. And that their condition inwardly, no matter how hard they try, no matter how much they wouldn't compare themselves to other people, that they are not righteous enough to go to heaven, that they are indeed a sinner and they have offended their creator, and that the only solution for that is Jesus Christ to save them. Jesus to forgive them, to give them his righteousness as the required standing of perfection to have access into heaven and that they need to embrace Jesus as their solution because a judgment is coming for their life. And the Spirit of God prompts the unconverted person in this way, trying to convince them, convict them inwardly that they need to receive the Lord. And once a person then exercises, if they choose to, faith towards Jesus to receive him personally as their Savior, Jesus has also explained in these chapters how the Holy Spirit would actually then indwell the person. And that when we receive Jesus by faith as Savior and Lord, the Spirit of God himself enters inside of our life, illuminates us, and if you would, turns the lights on spiritually, and then he becomes our helper, the helper within who assists us in our spiritual lives. And Jesus now explains here in our text this morning another way in which the Holy Spirit is our helper as a follower of Christ, particularly how the Holy Spirit works in a ministry of revelation among the church or among individual Christians as he's at work within us. Look with me in verse 12 as Jesus talks about this ministry of revelation that the Spirit accomplishes. He says, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So Jesus is indicating to the disciples that there were still a lot more things that he wanted them to know about spiritually, that there were still multitudes of things that he wanted to show the disciples and reveal the disciples. And surely by this point in time, Jesus has taught the disciples a lot spiritually. The teachings that he had given, uh, the conversations, no doubt, they had privately, even what we've looked at in these last few chapters, the discussions in the upper room here, the example of Jesus. They had already heard the voice of the Lord so many times about many different things, and yet still, even after three years of daily living with Jesus and him sharing his life and ministry 24-7 with them, we see here that he had not fully conveyed to them all he desired to or all he could. Do you see it there in verse 12? He says to them, I still have many things to say to you still many more things that I could share and explain there was much more Jesus wanted to inform them about a lot more Jesus wanted them to understand he wanted to reveal more to them of greater and deeper and more glorious things that he wanted to still explain to the disciples and let me just say isn't it an awesome thing to realize that the heart of our Lord 
is to speak to us as his followers. That he has a heart of revelation, that he wants to reveal himself to us, that if we seek him, we can find him and discover things about him. To know that Jesus is not in any way looking to keep us at a distance or keep us in the dark or somehow hold us at arm's length because of who he is, but in fact, quite the opposite, the heart of Jesus Christ is for us to know God fully to know God more and more, to know Him more deeply and more intimately in our relationship. He wants us to be able to discover everything that we desire about Him. He wants to disclose more of Himself and His nature and His ways. And Jesus desires to speak to us as His followers. He wants to say things to you. He wants to communicate to you. And even, listen, this morning, maybe if no one else wants to spend time with you, Jesus does. And maybe you feel lonely in your life existence or your experience and you think, man, I feel so lonely and no one wants to be with me or talk to me or spend time with me. Listen, Jesus wants to speak to you. Jesus wants to give you continual companionship and communicate to you regularly. And during Jesus' rather short earthly ministry, he conveys here in verse 12 that he was not able to teach the disciples everything in relationship to all they would need to know about spiritual life in the kingdom of God. And that was not just, understand, it wasn't just because of a limitation of time. Certainly that was part of it, that it had only been three years. But what as well was he was trying to say was it was also a limitation of their receptivity. He could only teach them up to this point what they were able to accept and to understand at this stage in their spiritual growth. That's why he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. At this stage of your spiritual development, at this stage of your progression in the things of your spiritual life. That word bear there that Jesus used when he says you're not able to bear them now. It's not bear in the sense of what you're able to endure as far as like bearing pain or, or, or bearing something that's very difficult, a hardship. He's talking about being able to bear something in the sense of what you're able to handle. What you're able to carry, in other words, it just it would be too much for you. You wouldn't be able to manage it or to handle it. This is the idea here. At this stage of their spiritual development, they were only able to really handle so much. And Jesus understood this about where they were at. They weren't quite ready to grasp and manage some of the fuller spiritual revelation because they weren't prepared for that yet to be receptive to some of the greater divine truths that would still come, nor were they ready to see and accept what the future would bring for them in their service to the Lord, the spiritual experiences that they would ultimately have, the ways in which the Lord would use them and show them the deeper things of God, the challenges they would face as the persecution would intensify against them. Jesus says, at this stage of your development, you're, you're just not ready for this yet, he was telling the disciples. And again, I look at this in regards to the heart of our Lord and realize how wonderful that the Lord, is it not, is patient in our spiritual development. That he understands where we're at and he gradually takes us forward and he progressively matures us and, and he lets us develop in the stages step by step as he sees we're ready and he lovingly and wisely monitors our condition 
and he realizes what we're able to receive, what we're able to be receptive to, maybe at that stage in our maturity level. And step by step, as he sees we're ready, he brings us to the next stage. And he helps us maybe to understand a little bit more, to grow a little bit more. And he graciously leads us ahead in his right timing with the right methods. And he does this in such a way that we would be able to experience his love and his wisdom in that way. And he patiently develops us and helps us to grow. I I don't know about you, but I am sure glad the day that I was first saved that the Lord did not on that day explain to me everything about my relationship with him. And what it was all going to include. I'm very glad that the day that I got saved, that he did not drop it on me all at once. Because first of all, we would not have been able to grasp it or believe it. We truly would have been, you come on, no way. I mean, if he told us some of the changes that he was going to make in our lives. And what we would be like six months later or a year later or five years later and, and how we would change. We are, Come on. There's no way. Are you kidding me? And if he told us everything about you know, the experiences that we were going to have spiritually as we developed in our relationship with the Lord and our worship life or, or what we would be doing for the Lord. Or because we were willing to serve the Lord, the stand that we would take and the ways in which we would let our life be available to Him, we would never have been able to understand how it would ever come to pass. It would just have been so foreign to us. It would have seemed so absolutely strange and totally unrealistic at that point because we weren't ready then. We weren't able to receive it then. We couldn't have have borne it because we needed to be gradually prepared. And secondly, we would have probably went into just flat-out overload. I mean, it would have just blown our minds. It would have overwhelmed us if we saw the bigger picture of some of the spiritual truths and doctrines that we believe now and that we understand now that, that we, when we first got saved, we just weren't ready to chew on that kind of meat yet. It would have choked us. We needed the Gerber, mush mush, you know? There was no way. You don't give a, 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 a young child you, you know, a, a filet mignon, one they couldn't appreciate it, give it to me instead. And number two, they just they don't have the ability to chew it and digest it. Yet you gradually build up to that. And the same with us, the things that we learn and we've come to understand, the deeper lessons of spiritual life, some of which we can't learn unless we're pushed to the limit in certain ways in our lives, that we discover things about God and His sufficiency and His grace and His power, His miraculous provision or the things that He does, the changes of attitude that we would have in our lives, the complete 180 revolution maybe of our perspective about things that we held for so long that transforms as the result of coming to know the Lord and growing the lifestyle changes. We needed progressive revelation to help develop in stages. And though the disciples weren't ready at this stage of their spiritual development, to hear all Jesus wanted to say and explain to them, Jesus shows them here no worry because the Spirit would now continue this process of revelation to develop their spiritual understanding. Look what he says, I have more to say to you, but you can't bear it now. However, verse 13, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you, Jesus says, into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So Jesus promises part of this help of the Spirit 
who lives inside of the believer once they receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior is that the Spirit would continually expand their revelation of the truth and direct them further into the truths of God. That he would keep speaking to them so that they could continue hearing the voice of the Lord even though the Lord Jesus himself would ascend back into heaven. They would continue to hear his voice as the Spirit of God spoke to them. Again, we see Jesus continually likes this title. He refers to the Holy Spirit. Again, we see it in verse 13 there as the Spirit of truth. That is, he always bears witness to what is true, to what is accurate and genuine. He's always revealing truth. He's a spirit of truthfulness. He is the source of the voice of God that tells us what is true about God and about life. And Jesus says there in verse 13, he, the spirit, will guide you into all truth. Now, what's interesting here and important as well, in the original language in the Greek, there's a definite article before the word truth, which means this could probably and should more literally be translated in this way. He will guide you into all the truth, not just guide you into all truth, but guide you into all definite article, the truth. And that's probably because it's a reference to multiple things the spirit of truth would assist with, particularly the truth in the sense of, number one, the general process of giving them the revelation of New Testament scripture, which they did not have at this point in time still. At this point, the disciples did not have a complete and total revelation of all the truth. They had the Old Testament scriptures, they had the life of Jesus and understood who he was as the son of God and why he came. Yet there was so much more still to be understood spiritually and that would come to pass as Jesus, through the work of the spirit in their lives, would then lead them into all the truth of full New Testament Christianity and all that would entail. There was much more still to be understood what Jesus' work accomplished regarding the position of the believer of righteousness and power over sin what all of that meant what Jesus' life, death and resurrection accomplished the things we learn in Romans the depths of the doctrine of the spiritual life that's there about the Holy Spirit working in us the purpose and operations of the church Christian living spiritual gifts the second coming and the return of the Lord Things about heaven. The Spirit would guide them supernaturally as they recorded the New Testament. And in so doing, the Spirit would guide them into all the truth. Giving them the complete revelation. Disclosing to them what was not yet revealed by the truth of New Testament Scripture being given to them. The gospel records, the book of Acts and all that happened in the early church. The epistles, all the New Testament letters and the great doctrines in them and the book of Revelation which talks so much about God's throne and the end time events and future things. And the Spirit would lead them into all the truth regarding Scripture. But secondly, I think as well, Jesus on a personal level was indicating to them that the Spirit through ongoing experience inside of each and every individual believer would also be granting them guidance in relation to what is true about the spiritual life for them individually as well. And this is a ministry, the Spirit, for you and I even today still. He is the one within us, the internal helper in our spiritual experience, how we desperately need this ongoing ministry, each one of us, in all of our lives as Christians.
that he would continue to work in us, helping us discern what is true and sifting out lies and error and being able to find the truth in the midst of confusion and deception. And there are many reasons we desperately need this because first of all, I'll say for myself, my personal thoughts and feelings can often be in error and they lie to me. We sing that song, my heart deceives me, my feelings lie. They're always drifting like an ocean tide. And listen, our feelings, what we think, please hear me, it may be real. I'm not diminishing that. There are sometimes I feel really, really depressed. And the feeling is real. There are times when uh, we may find ourselves with strong feelings and strong thoughts about things that are very real, but just because the thought and the feeling is real does not mean it's true. It may be a real thought and a real feeling, but it's a wrong thought and it's a wrong feeling. And it's the spirit of truth that says, yes, that's real, but it's wrong, Tony. So, so you cannot submit to that. Your feeling is not to be a dictator over you, Tony. It indicates something's going on. You need to pray. You need to get in the word. You need to seek help or accountability or counsel. You, or you just need to walk in faith and just not let it dominate you. And just keep one foot in front of the other because it's a real feeling, but it's not a true feeling. It's not what's right. It's not in accordance with the word. So the Spirit helps us in this way. He helps us as well because we live in a world, did you ever notice, that's full of lies. And that is aggressively trying to promote to us the redefining of everything that's right and wrong. And so we need the spirit of truth within us to help us as Christians not be conformed to this world's patterns and perspectives, but stay on the path of truth in our thinking and views. And the spirit of truth says it does not matter what the world is saying. This is what the truth is. It does not matter what all the voices, this is what the truth is. And the spirit of truth helps us to sift out the lies of our world and our culture that want to misguide us. And then on top of that, we have this enemy called the devil. And his primary work is to try and deceive and promote lies, whether it's false doctrines and false teaching that blow through the church. And how do you sift that out? Well, the spirit of truth within you is there to help you to realize, listen, that, that may be a really popular new spiritual theme or doctrine, but that, that doesn't resonate with the truth. That doesn't line up with the truth of Scripture and the spirit of truth like a lie detector within says, I don't know what, but what that guy's teaching, there may be lots of people listening and following, but that's not true. That's not true. And sometimes even the, the, the spirit of the enemy and, and, and his work tries to convince people wrongly and deceive them in their thinking and their reasoning. Why? Because he wants to drag Christians into sin and into sinful habits and lifestyles. And so he, uh, Paul talks to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he says that there are those who become captive by the enemy to do his will. And the enemy seeks to do this, to recapture people and to deceive them and trip them up and to put them outside of the will of God to get them living in disobedience. And it's the spirit of truth that teaches us how to recognize the error, to be convicted of that and realize, whoa, I'm not walking in the truth here. What am I doing? I'm not in God's will in this situation. And to, to come back to that place, how great that the spirit of truth dwells inside of you and me. You have the best internal lie detector living right inside of you to help you in every way to distinguish what's true from what's not 
to be directed in the truth from God. And one of the best ways that that ministry happens within me and within you is as we expose ourselves to the truth that has already been supplied by the Spirit in the written Word of God. Because as I keep my face in this book and I let it speak to me and I hear it taught to me, as I do that continuously, as I read Scripture and we listen to the voice of the Spirit speaking to us, that will often be the most safe and helpful way to guide us into the truth so I walk in truth. Please, please hear me this morning because I talk to people, I counsel people, have for many years the spirit of God the spirit of truth that inspired the written word of God is never going to tell a person to do something that contradicts the word of God the Holy Spirit is not schizophrenic he's not double minded there are times I've talked to people over the years. Well, I just well, the Lord's really leading me to do this. Well, well I feel like I, I feel like the Spirit is directing me to do this. Listen, no, He's not. Your human spirit that wants to do that or wants to behave like that or wants to hold on to that attitude or wants to be involved in that wrong lifestyle or that wrong behavior it may be telling you that but that is not the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of Truth would never tell you to do something that contradicts the recorded truth of the Word of God that He Himself inspired and gave to us. This is such an important thing to remember. It helps us to keep our hearts in alignment. Notice as well there in verse 13 that we do have a responsibility to be responsive. This is why I point this out because verse 13, do you see what Jesus says? He says, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. Notice, not he will force you. Not he will make you walk in the truth, but he will guide you into the truth. That is, if you desire to see it and if you desire to follow the truth. The reality in regards to guidance is a person must want to be guided for it to fully work and take advantage. If I pull over and, and I'm kind of stubborn, but my wife convinces me, pull over and ask for directions. Of course, you don't do that now. This is probably a bad illustration because we have GPSs in our phones. But since I've lived prior to that time, as some of you have, pull over again. Oh, I, know, I can figure it out. Pull over again. Oh, I can figure it out. You pull over. The gas station tends to go, okay, do this, turn that, turn it, right, right, turn it. And they go, thanks. And then you just do what you want anyway. Well, he gave you wonderful guidance because he's a local person. But if you don't want his guidance, it ain't going to help you an ounce. It's actually going to hurt you. People have to want to be guided in order for guidance to work. Same is true spiritually. Someone can offer wonderful guidance. The question is, will you follow it? The Spirit of God will always provide faithfully guidance into the truth. The question is, are we listening? Are we taking His guidance? He's always faithful to guide us into the truth. This is what it means to walk in the Spirit. That is to actually allow him to direct me and then to follow what he's directed me to do. Romans 8 speaks of being led by the Spirit of God. Led by the Spirit of God. He will guide you and I, but do we receive his guidance? Do we follow his guidance in our lives? Perhaps you are a Christian, but let me ask you, 
Are you a spirit-led Christian? Well, I'm a Christian. Well, great. That means you're going to heaven. But are you a spirit-led Christian? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to truly lead you and direct you and guide you? And I just say, that's, that's the ideal of God. That you would be led by the Spirit, receiving His guidance in your life in different ways. And Jesus explains how that happens, is the Spirit speaks to us. He says in verse 13, He says, He won't speak on His own authority. Whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you of things to come. So even as Jesus spoke, in partnership with the Father while living as a man. The Spirit doesn't speak independent of the Father and the Son, but Jesus says here, whatever he hears that is among the throne of God, he will speak to you. It's by the Spirit living inside of us, speaking to us, that we hear the voice of the Lord in our heart and mind communicating to us in the inward person. This is how it happens. In the book of Acts, we often see the Spirit speaking to individual Christians and to the church collectively. In Acts 8, the Spirit spoke to Philip and said to him, Philip, go over there and speak to that man. Jesus himself in Revelation 2 and 3 repeatedly said, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. The Spirit of God is how we hear the voice of God. And notice Jesus says as well in verse 13 there that He, the Spirit, will even tell you, He says, of things to come. That is the Holy Spirit being God in union with the Father and the Son knows everything from the end, from the beginning and He can give revelation as the eternal Spirit of what's ahead. What's ahead in our own lives and what's going to happen next? The Spirit provided that help for the disciples telling them what was going to come. And today, the Holy Spirit, who has not changed, can tell us at times something maybe in regards to our future if we need to know it. Can give us revelation or insight or awareness, preparing us in advance maybe for what's in front of us, telling us of what's to come. If we're willing to seek Him and wait upon Him instead of just rush forward into our idea right away. Sometimes He can tell us of things to come. This is going to come to pass or don't do this. Because that's what will come to pass. And if we listen to the Spirit of God in our lives, He can allow us to get ready spiritually to know what God's plan is, to be aware. Again, Acts chapter 10 and 11, there's a beautiful example of this with Peter. How the Spirit told him what was going to happen so that he could respond and make decisions accordingly. Sometimes this happens, I find, through perhaps a word of prophecy where somebody speaks a, a prophetic word from the Lord to give us an insight and we hear something from the Lord. In my life, I know sometimes it happens as well, just perhaps by an impression upon my heart or my mind from the Spirit of the Lord to have a sense of what He's trying to convey to me to be ready for what's ahead. Well, look what Jesus then says, verse 14 and 15, regarding the Spirit speaking. Here's His favorite subject to talk about. Jesus says, He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said to you, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So the Spirit's greatest desire, his favorite subject, is to reveal Jesus in deeper ways. To give a fuller revelation and to glorify Jesus among us. Referring to the Holy Spirit's ministry among the church and believers, Jesus could not say it more specific there in verse 14. He says plainly, He will glorify me. This is the work of the Spirit of God to reveal Jesus. His function is to promote Jesus, to put the stage spotlight 
on Jesus to cause people to see the Lord. And the Holy Spirit does not attract attention to himself, nor will he attract attention to a human vessel. The Spirit of God, his purpose is to draw attention to Jesus and put the focus on him. So when the fruit of the Spirit of God is genuinely happening, when there's a spiritual work taking place through a life or a church or whatever, the end result will be focus on Jesus. It will be people loving the Lord more, wanting to honor the Lord more, drawn to Jesus experientially. When a real work of the Spirit has happened, people encounter Jesus. They encounter the Lord. Jesus repeats in verse 14 and 15 the same statement. He says, He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit being fully unified with the Father and the Son knows all about Jesus and this is how the Spirit worked with the disciples initially. He helped them in these days ahead to understand more about the Lord so that they could write about Him in Scripture so that they could convey things and teach more about the Savior and the Spirit of God is desirous and seeking to declare the same thing to every Christian today to reveal to us more about Jesus. He wants us to see Jesus more clearly, to know Jesus more fully, to see the Lord lifted up and, and to have our focus upon Him. He wants you to grow closer to Jesus and know Him more intimately, which means this. Spirit-led speech, spirit-led teaching and preaching and ministry and counsel will always make much of Jesus. It will make much of Jesus. It will direct people to Jesus. Its outcome will cause people's focus not to be on other things, whether it be a great church or a great presenter or you know, a great program, but upon a glorious person named Jesus. That he's the answer. He's the one we're interested in. He's the one that we're impressed with. He's the one that we want to go deeper with. And whenever you're trying to discern if something that happened was truly a genuine work of the Lord, you can always use this as a grid. The grid being simply this. Where did the focus go? Where did the attention ultimately go? You know, for those of us who do minister in different capacities, whatever way... I would just say, let's always be careful that our personality doesn't detract from the ministry of the Spirit. Let's be careful that the way we serve and what we do or don't do when we serve doesn't somehow draw attention to us and away from the Lord because that's quenching what the Spirit is trying to do. We have to be cautious of this. A Spirit-filled believer, a Spirit-filled church will always Keep continually putting the attention upon Jesus because this is what the Spirit wants to do. Amen? Amen? Let's stand. Let's pray together.